Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who have not read manga before. Uh, it's hosted by myself, David Brothers, uh, Deb Aoki, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our reading list at mangasplaining.com. And I'll have our hosts introduce themselves, uh, starting with Chris this time. Hi, I'm Christopher Butcher. Uh, I've done lots of stuff in comics. Uh, currently, I'm not doing too much. It's nice. I recommend it. And Deb, how about you? I'm Deb Aoki. Um, I write about manga. I read a lot of manga. Um, and I mostly talk about it on Twitter lately. <laughs> <laughs> and Chip, who are you? It's a great question. I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, 1975. Mm-hmm. I was a solitary child. Really kept to myself a lot. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a comic writer and artist uh, of the North American variety, uh, and I don't have a lot of experience with manga, and that's why I'm here. Cool. And oh. I'm David Brothers. Uh, I edit comics. I write about comics sometimes, though not recently, so I should probably stop saying that. And I'm here to host Manga Explaining Episode 2. This week's episode is all about a manga that I like a lot called Delicious in Dungeon by Ryoko Kui. Uh, it debuted in Japan in 2014, uh, it debuted in the U.S. in 2017, thanks to Yen Press. And as of 2017, the first four volumes had over 2 million copies in print. So it's kind of a hit. Like, it seems like people like this one. Uh, wait, the, wait, 2 million in Japan or 2 million in... 2 million in Japan. Ah. Yeah, 2 million U.S. would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> 2 million in Japan is a failure, right? Yeah. A failure. <laughs> it's kind of, it's been canceled. kind of middle. <laughs> Uh, but this is food manga which is something that gets talked about a lot in terms of uh, when people discuss like the difference between manga and American comics European comics is there's a long tradition of comics that are just about eating eating stuff or cooking stuff and this one blends that with kind of a Dungeons and Dragons sort of setting like knights and wizards and thieves and such we're going to find out how Chip feels but before we get to him I think I want to start with Deb this time what do you think of Delicious in Dungeon? I remember when I first saw it, it was uh, at a bookstore in Japan, and I remember flipping through it and thinking, what a great concept, you know. Um, it's a, about a bunch of adventurers, um, mm-hmm. and they're going into this dungeon, and they decide that it's too much of a hassle, it's, or it's too hard for them to stay well-nourished and carry food in and stuff like that, and it's too expensive, they're not very rich. So they'd come upon this idea that they are going to cook what they, dis- what they find in the dungeon. And they kind of, um, they kind of, it's kind of like, kind of like how people go deal with camping. Like, oh, why mm-hmm. should I bring all these ready to meet, eat meals when I could eat mushrooms that I harvest or fruit that I, you know, like when I'm hiking? Kind of like that, except um, this is way more sophisticated <laughs> cuisine yeah. wise. It, so yeah. I, I have to confess that I really only have read the first two volumes and it seemed mm-hmm. very much like this really. You know, like how a lot of manga starts out kind of high concept, and you think it's going to be like a one a one note joke. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so it basically starts out that way, where it's kind of episodic, where they decide they're going to eat what they find in the dungeon, and then they start cooking things like these mushroom people and these you know scorpions, and they make hot pot and stuff like that. And you you as as someone who likes to cook, I can read this and think, oh yeah yeah, I mean the scorpion is kind of like lobster and. Oh, yeah, that, that mollusk that when they're talking about this goo, it's kind of like, kind of like jellyfish, you know, so you can, you can kind of like reverse engineer it in your head, like what dish she is talking about me. 
And that's kind of fun, you know, because it's, 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 it's this uh, weird hybrid of cooking and fantasy. And it's, um, it's like, oh, well, you know, like, like a lot of cooking manga, like, what did you eat yesterday? Or, um, I guess like Kitchen Princess or like uh, Food Wars. You can read it mm-hmm. and think, oh, I could make that. They make it look so delicious. Or they'll give you a recipe at the end. And so it kind of starts on that realm. Um, it's very, the drawing's really cute. It plays upon the tropes of uh, fantasy. Like there's the magic user, there's the knight, there's the pickpocket, there's the, there's the, the troll and stuff like that. The, the dwarf, and, um, but it, the way that it puts it together is very clever and the art is really charming. So mm-hmm. when I first started, you know, taking pictures of it and showing to people, all my, like, uh, you know, Jim, Z- Jim Zub, he writes yeah. Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons, he immediately goes, oh my God, what is this? This is perfect. This is like this, <laughs> this perfect Venn diagram of what he loves, because Jim loves to cook too, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and so when I saw it kind of like pick up when it came to America and I started, it kind of picked up, I thought, oh yeah, this is great. You know, this is great for, for American audiences because it doesn't. It's not super Japanesey, but it's real. Mm-hmm. It's very original and different than what you expect from a fantasy comic. Mm. And Chris, what was your first impression? My first impression was actually in a Japanese bookstore in France, mm. uh, rather than Japan. I encountered this manga, and I was like, "What is this? The cover art looks like really lovely. Like it's really, and it doesn't look like a lot of traditional or, t- or contemporary manga covers." Mm. And I was flipping through, and I'm like. Oh my God! They're eating the monsters. They're, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, and they're eating the monsters. Someone needs to translate this. And then, like two years went by, and no one translated it. And that was really shocking to me. It seemed like such a slam dunk. Uh, it was just as Dungeons and Dragons had become sort of part of the cultural discourse again, and was like ramping up in popularity. Uh, and I really like food manga in general more so than is actually popular in the the general the general populace, but. Yeah, I was really surprised it took a little over two years for it to be picked up and, and li- or licensed and published by Yen, because it seemed like a slam dunk right off the mm-hmm. bat for me. And then reading it, when it finally did come out, I was just, I love it. Like, I was in love with it. It's such a good, high concept. And I, I actually really thought it was really, uh, it really knocked it out of the park in a lot of ways mm-hmm. in that first volume. But, you know, all of that said... I'm curious what Chip thought of it, <laughs> rather than a, if I just keep going on and on about how good it is. Like he comes in again and he's like, "Yeah." yeah. Uh, so that was those are my initial thoughts, David. I, I'm curious. I, I never thought this would be a manga you would actually pick uh, yeah. because it's ongoing. First off, it's like a seinen manga. It's new. It doesn't have classic status like a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm really curious about about this. Uh, uh, David has about, a type. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I definitely have. A, this is actually the least violent manga that I read. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, but no, I wanted to do this one because it's a comedy manga, and I thought with Chip being a uh, respected humorist in at least two different countries, whoa, nice! That this would be kind of a cool way to both introduce him to like a side of manga he might not have seen before, but then also like uh, to get feedback on like jokes, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So this might be a five minute podcast. Or a 45-minute <laughs> podcast. But, Chip, what did you think? What the fuck? <laughs> was kind of the, the first thing. <laughs> I, I should preface this by saying, like, not only is this podcast about me not having any experience with manga, 
also have no experience with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, me I too. didn't know that. I was actually like, going to ask about oh, that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I thought like, it was a Canadian like, none, thing. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this is, you know, mentioning Jim before, this is a Jim Zub book. And it is uh, not necessarily a, a, a book that would uh, scream uh, Chip Zdarsky. Mm-hmm. I, I did like it. I, I found it very funny and very horrifying. Uh, the the beginning, the uh, the death of the mushroom. Yeah. Oh, the mushroom was such a good introduction. <laughs> it really was. It's a very solid comedy introduction of just like the casual murder of this <laughs> anthropomorphized <laughs> mushroom. Yeah, no, it, it's charming. Like I, I, by the end of it, I was like, okay, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um. Like Deb was saying, the episodic kind of nature of it. You know, every chapter was like, oh, it's a, a new ingredient. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm curious as to how it becomes an ongoing beyond this. Like, does it change and morph into a more serialized? Kind of, actually. So, small spoilers for people who are listening, but obviously they rescue the sister. Chris was talking about this earlier. And there's, a, there's a pre-show, by the way. We don't record it yet. We're not famous enough to record <laughs> yeah. our pre-show. But, you know, one day, if y'all, if y'all yeah. sh- like, and, like and subscribe, uh, we'll do it. But, yeah. 10,000 followers on Twitter will give you the pre-show. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but they rescue the sister, and, and best, as Chris said, like she's not right when she comes back from being eaten by this dragon. <laughs> and it kind of uh, provides like more forward motion for the plot. It's still okay. very much like, let's eat this weird thing and tell jokes yeah. about it. But there's a lot more emotional payoffs and that kind of thing. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And the uh, I found the 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 character of is it Mar Marcel? Yeah, mm. I was uh, comedically I enjoyed her the most, mostly because I didn't understand why her expressions were just so over the top <laughs> at every moment. <laughs> like it's I, I, I think. I know. I think part of it is me trying to figure out, like, is there a reveal coming? Like, is she a monster? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why she's just so, like, so upset at this. uh, I think it's just melodramatic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's played up so much throughout that I I just kept, like, I laughed whenever it happened. But I was also like, is there some sort of payoff beyond? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there's none. (laughs) It's... Is on there that, none? On that, not exactly. It's sorry. It's a little tropey in that she's the girl, uh, yeah. so she's got to be squicked out mm. the most by the things that are happening. It's just a manga trope. Okay. You've encountered a manga trope and butted up against it. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you. you are a new manga reader. But yeah, she has to be the like. But she's also the reader identification character. Yeah. Like yeah. you're like, were you like you're talking about how it was funny but also horrifying that response is like closest to her right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. i earlier in the book when she um she says she's not a picky eater and then they're like oh she's a type who says they're not picky <laughs> see i love that part because it, it reminded me line. of like all the yeah. people when you travel with a group of people yeah you there yeah. is a marceline in your group you know you can just say david deb i'm right here <laughs> <laughs> You know, know what? No, no. No, you're fine. Are you're super fine. clear about what you will or will not eat. Like that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Dealing yeah. with people who are like, oh, I'm fine. I don't really. Oh, anyway. Uh, I, yeah, I'm. I'm. I have so many weird dietary restrictions at this point in my life mm-hmm. that I've just kind of gathered that I think that I'm the type of person that's okay with everything. <laughs> so I always say that. I'm like, oh no, I'll eat anything. And mm-hmm. then I'll go somewhere. I'm like, oh, there's literally nothing for me to eat here. Yeah. 
I should have said something. <laughs> I'm, I'm that person. I laughed a lot. That was probably my favorite moment of the book, actually. Yeah. Um, like, it's such a charming, you said charming earlier. Like, this is a very charming manga in general, I think, from the characters to the way the plot rolls out. Even though they're on this life or death mission to rescue his sister. They're like, well, oh. let's, like, take some time to make Hot Pot. Yeah, it is very much not life or death. Like, yeah. And, and the Hot Pot illustration is so cute, too, where they're on top of, like, a hand-drawn Dungeons & Dragons, like, grid map. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah, the, 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 the stakes in this are, um, are, there are no stakes in this. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they set up immediately the fact that the people die and come back. Mm-hmm. Like, that's no big deal. The, the second funniest part was just, it was the, the, the people that they rescued along the way. And then, like, later on, there's just this moment, like, oh, yeah, by the way, they died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they like, they all with a lot of very grim humor because, like, you yeah. can bring people back to life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's This is the kind of manga that I read when I don't want a super challenging time. Like, I don't want, like, the heart-rending yeah. uh, uh, emotional experience. I want, like, mm, to laugh or to feel yeah. good for a little bit. Like, I, I, I laughed. I laughed probably the most when the is it senshi the the dwarf Mm -hmm. guy um just when he's meticulously explaining everything yeah yeah well he's like and then we do this and then we do this and then we do this i'm just like (laughs) it's such a ludicrous idea it's 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 a matter of fact and he gets really into it Uh uh in a dungeon where there are monsters yeah which they have a uh, they have to be saving someone who's already been eaten by a dragon (laughs) Like, that's also the funny part. It's not that she's trapped down there and we have to get her before she gets eaten by a dragon. Like, that's the page it's like one. Like, we have to get basically. her body. <laughs> like, oh, don't worry, because, like, dragon's digestion is slow at night. So maybe she's still mm-hmm. in the she's still in the digestion yeah. process. But they got a month. That, 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 large, that large ethical dilemma of when they get to the dragon, do they eat the dragon <laughs> if the dragon has finished eating her? Uh, yeah. Like that's that that clicked into my 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 vegan brain for sure. <laughs> oh my god, are you really vegan? Um, yeah. So I've been vegan for just almost a year, mm. and so reading. But it's it's the kind of veganism where it's just like I I want to eat cheese and I want to eat meat real bad. Yeah. Like I'm not one of those ones who looks at it and goes, "Oh, that's disgusting." I'm just like, "Oh." I, so reading this, I'm just like every meal, even if it was a fake meal. Mm-hmm. I'm still hungry yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, part of the de- part of the fun is the detail they go into with mm. all of these fake ingredients and dishes. Mm-hmm. They treat it so seriously. The funniest part for me was a joke about the basilisk with the chicken being the tail. <laughs> yes. I don't know what it is about this joke, but it destroyed me the first time I read this book. <laughs> that was also very solid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris, what was the funniest bit to you? I loved that. I'd like the whole. Yeah, the chicken, and then they, and then he actually Chilchuck makes a chicken and the egg reference at the end, and it was so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually, you know what? I totally love. So after the main story is over, chapter seven, there's these little like one pagers that I mm. would have ran once a month at the end, and mm-hmm. those ones I was uh, like, I find those the funniest. Like those, I'm kind of dying mm-hmm. every time. But when he with the honestly the sword. When he like, he's like, oh my god, the little the sword's alive. He all named him Kensuke, and you're just like, you're a fucking psycho. Like this is actually like, like I know that these manga, oh, I know that these manga need that like, and we can talk about this, you know, a little later. I don't want to 
front load, yeah. but like they need this like super driven personality if the whole manga is going to rest on them. But that I was just like, oh my fucking god! <laughs> like he he's not right either. This is great. Like, yeah. well, he's not right at the beginning. Yeah, no. From yeah. like he's like I've been in the I've been in the maze so long that I I mean I couldn't help but think about eating all the things I'm killing. Haven't you? And they're all just like, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> like it's so. Oh, they're so scared of him, but also so like on his team because he's got such passion. That's again super manga tropey, but I loved that. I loved yeah. all of that kind of stuff in the in the book. Well, there's also that thing, that thing before they even go into the dungeons when he puts his hands on both of them and like you really intend to come with me no matter what, and it's so intense. <laughs> and they look at each other like, oh well, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Uh, Deb, what what joke worked the best for you? Oh gosh, I don't know. The, the one I think the one that Chris mentioned is really great. You know, the part mm. where it's like the sword, like he looks at the sword, it's alive. He's like, I'm not gonna tell anybody. I'm so yeah. I'm so into this. It's kind of I mean the parts that are just really charming about this is like, oh, just the faces. I mean, yeah. the, there's that there's that one scene where she just uh, where Mar- Marceline's face when she's like, oh, the part where um, this one. Where she um, she gets eaten by this man-eating plant, and then <laughs> the guy goes, "The way they wrap around you, it must have felt really good." And she looks at him like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I think I think I've seen people. There you go. I've seen people using this as like their Twitter avatar and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just like that yeah. pure level of shock and. Dismay, so good. As a girl, I kind of felt it like you know, like when you've had like guys tell you stuff like that, and you're like, "Are you effing kidding me?" Yeah, <laughs> I could feel that. Yeah. And these little bits, like like uh, Lyos being a weird, creepy psychopath, or Marcel being a very picky eater, uh, yeah. they kind of turn into like emotional beats down the line. Mm. Like, Lyos's passion and obsession kind of comes back on him a little bit, but he also keeps making stupid decisions because he wants to eat things so so bad. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I like just the fact that he, you know, he plays it cool, but he's actually a psychopath. And I, Senshi is such a great character. The introduction is so good. Like, that mm-hmm. drawing is just, like, perfect. It's, like weird creepy statue of a, of a of a being but later on when he keeps fucking up the uh the traps <laughs> it was <yeah>. so good <laughs> chill chuck like it's it's good to see that because that character seems like they've got it all kind of together yeah. throughout until that point then all of a sudden they're just like this bubbling oaf mm-hmm. i thought that was really smart that's actually and it's pretty it's pretty slick that in one volume you get this dynamic between these four characters these four introductory mm-hmm. characters that is almost like seinfeld like they're so well oh, defined, so. you know. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then, and the way that they bunk, they they bounce off each other, and like, it's it's a real art to create characters that are so different, distinct. Yeah. And then the the way that they mesh with each other and bounce off each other and irritate each other, or it, that the way that she established a running joke, like, mm-hmm. like yeah. she set the premise of these characters and how they would. Bump, you know, it's like have friction with each other or get put in situations and then something, something, some, something crazy would happen or they would, they would react a certain way. I think it's very clever because it's really hard to mm-hmm. write characters like that, you know, and have yeah. them all mesh together in a way that's, that just feels, eff- that seems effortless. Mm. I was wondering about that. And 
is she playing on D and D tropes? So yeah, I played D and D as a kid a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, and then you know all the fantasy role playing games that go with it and stuff like that. I kind of quit at a certain point and moved on to cyberpunk things. Although I haven't played the <laughs> game yet. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of this was absolutely like by the book Dungeons and Dragons starting point stuff, which I actually really enjoyed. I loved how much D and D was in this and the different. You know, all the food stuff aside, little things like the the core the core concept is food is expensive and food is heavy and it's too hard to carry too much food into the dungeon. Mm. Oh, they're playing with third edition encumbrance rules, uh, which they've massaged <laughs> later on because no one wants to keep track of how much all the equipment their character's carrying actually is. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun to play where you have to like weigh everything because it wouldn't be fun in real world, right? Like where you've actually yeah. can only carry seven days of food if you're going to go on an adventure that's two weeks or whatever. So like little things like that I thought were really really good everyone fucking hates encumbrance uh <laughs> third especially third edition encumbrance am third i right everyone yeah, am i right, right. <laughs> you're like rope yeah three gold piece or like three silver pieces 0.5 pounds and you have to keep track of all anyway whatever that sounds uh, like horrible math to have to deal with when you're playing a game people yeah. are doing it a little bit less that's why bag of holding was the best item in the game bag of holding. Carry whatever you wanted forever <laughs> I, I need a bag of holding when i go to japan because like, yeah, right? when you go shopping, you got to carry everything everywhere all day. It's a Sorry. bag that you anything you can physically fit into the opening of the bag will go into the bag forever. And when you reach in, you just have to think of what you want and you'll pull it out. Bag of holding. It's a magic item in D&D. It's the <laughs> best good. magic item in D&D. Uh, anyway, and it's less problematic than Wish. Um Sorry, this is getting real deep. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's what this is for. Yeah, is, I guess, I guess we're doing a podcast. So our no, D D podcast. I really loved. I really loved that about it. Where it, but it's it only. Mm, the other thing I wanted to call out before I get mm -hmm. to my larger point, because why get to the point? Right, <laughs> is uh, every time they do a recipe in the book. They have the, it starts off as a pentagram where it shows yeah. how many calories, how much fat, how much salt. And then about halfway through, it changes to a six-pointed thing where it shows the sort of stats, stat sheet. I'm trying to find, oh, here we go. So it shows yeah. the sort of stat sheet situation where you can see on the six-pointed thing, like how much of each thing it values uh, or mm -hmm. like how much value it has. And that's a D, like, not only is that like five-pointed thing, which is I think why they had to change Ooh. it to six-point because D&D is really... <laughs> trademarked out the ass but that kind of power chart is very big in role-playing games in general mm. and like and, and and that kind of stuff so i thought it was a really good addition um like and it's it's using food manga tropes the like beauty shot of a piece of food you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it's using D, D tropes at the same time sort of overlaid onto each other so it's synthesizing the two things in a way that's really good like that beautiful product shot is in every food manga where you like they finally prepare the dish and we get the like perfect instagram shot we call it now but then they're adding the like ingredients which you might include but the ingredients and their like values and things like that and then like their stats uh which is kind of scott pilgrimy in a way which i like that's where mm -hmm. brian pulled it from rpgs as well where all the like soft drinks and scott pilgrim give you stat bonuses and things so it's like she's really working on a level where she's synthesizing so many different things and making it really work on the page, I think. Like, it's it's very successful at what it's trying to do. But I do feel like the first volume is aiming real mid. <laughs> and that's maybe 
what I wanted to like. It's it's you know, it does really build into something else as it goes. Mm. It starts off super comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, that's something I want to talk about as well, is uh, his characters. That's but I'm not hosting me. this week. I'm yeah. not hosting this week. <laughs> so. it, I noticed people were talking about the latest, like the latest version of uh, Delicious and Dungeon came out, I guess, fairly mm. recently. And people, Volume I, 9 I, just I, came I noticed out, yeah. people were talking about like, oh, my God, it's come out. Like, oh, they're so excited. You know, like, yeah. like oh, I want to read this. Oh, I want to see what happens next. I thought, did this story change <laughs> since I last <laughs> <a> read it? <laughs> I think it's one of those ones where it got a pretty... Uh, also, I didn't realize that new volume came out like today. Mm. Oh, is it today? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> a lot going on today. Right? <laughs> I think it's one, it was so charming and different that it got a lot of really dedicated fans in the U.S. Mm. Like really Absolutely. evangelistic fans. Well, it's also, it was Biden's first order, right? <laughs> we Hopefully. all have to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but that happens Actually, in manga, re- right? That. Like something starts out fairly high concept, and mm-hmm. it starts out a certain way because you know it's basically like the first, the first episode of a series, and mm. then as it gets more successful and in the story, it needs it goes on and on. The it changes. Like I remember when I first read One Piece, like the first couple volumes, like I thought, what is this, you know? And, I, yeah. and then everyone said, no, 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 keep going, keep going. After volume ten, it'll hit this point where there's right? there's this point with Nami's story that you will, that will you'll go ah. Oh, it's people I mean, saying think... that is why people hate manga because you're just like no you got to read the first hundred bucks worth to get to where it gets pretty good actually it's well, sorry well, yeah I, I think that's i think that's the case with a with with a lot of like long running series mm. right like it starts mm-hmm. off like we talk about the high concept but like the the writer artist the cartoonist like must get bored at a certain point mm. like i i can't like yeah. I, I thought this was fun but also like towards the end i'm just like do they do this for the rest of their lives? Like, what is it? Like, where it's like another chapter, oh, we're a bit deeper, and I guess we're eating this now. Here's the recipe. Like, it's fun to a point, but it's, but when you're creating something like that, like, it, it naturally has to go elsewhere. Like, uh, let me preface this by saying I've never read Cerebus. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I uh, love where this is going already. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's hard. I, with, I had a long series. I had. Uh, I had volume one and I tried to read it and it was given to me by this girl on a date. Like, Oh, you got to read Cerebus. And I just didn't care for it. Mm-hmm. But my understanding of it is that it changes. It starts off as a parody comic mm-hmm. and then changes and becomes like a deeper and ultimately not very good thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that seems like a natural mm-hmm. thing for comic writers and artists to do. When, once they've kind of like gone through their the tropes and the yeah. you know the repetition of of the things that I think oh. sometimes you have like a really good idea you just have to get out and then you have to figure out how to make it work mm. <laughs> after yeah and I think a lot of first volumes of manga especially ones like this that are kind of gimmicky from our perspective mm-hmm. mm. yeah they'll be like the first volumes like here's all the types of jokes we're gonna do <laughs> and then they keep adding in more and more plot or story or emotional. Um, resonance mm. for lack of a better like yeah. one punch man is another manga it's super good it has one joke mm-hmm. which is that one guy trains so hard he can punch anything and destroy it in like one hit and there's like 15 <laughs> volumes of it now yeah. oh my god i've got to get you to read one punch man it's genuinely that one is so yeah, was, good 
You know how long it took me to realize people were actually talking about a character named One Punch Man and they were not talking about Batman punching Guy Gardner? Guy Gardner, Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> One Punch. Oh, I get it. Uh. Yeah. Um, what, what, one of the things I, I was really interested in reading this, it, it got me started to think about my own creative process. And it's mm-hmm. funny you mentioned Mal Scott Pilgrim mm. and how, you know, uh, I think there's similarities here where he took things that he loved Mm. like RPG video games, superhero stuff, slice of life, and put them together into a thing that really worked as a result. And mm. it's the same thing here where it's like the cartoonist loves Dungeons and Dragons and loves food. Like those shouldn't really work together, but because yeah. they love them both so much and it comes through in the story, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I'm not necessarily a, I'm not a foodie and I'm not a clearly a dungeon and dragon guy, but I still enjoy it because the love of the material comes through to me as a reader. Mm, And so it makes me think like, well, what are the things I enjoy (laughs) that I can turn into my next comic? Yeah. Cause I'm thinking a lot about that right now. Like what, uh, Ah. you know, I'm done drawing sex criminals. Like what's the next thing I'm going to draw? And I'm like, what are the things I love? And I love comics. Didn't you just announce a new series like yesterday? Oh, I'm always announcing new series, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I love comics and I love sex, but we just did that. Mm. Like, what What else do I love? What do I love? So it sent me into a bit of a spiral. Yeah. That I don't fit. actually have hobbies or interests. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think comics are really good for uh, finding creators who are obsessed about things or interested in things mm-hmm. because the mm. distance between creation and, like, consumption is so thin yeah and that's what makes this fun for me because like you like i don't know anything about dungeons and dragons outside mm-hmm. of like the arcade game i never beat when i was a child yeah <laughs> you, you you and i are really cool that's, that's yeah. right? <laughs> we were too busy you know like talking to girls and driving cars and stuff yeah, yeah. dungeon dragons made me gay i don't even know <laughs> <laughs> like, that i, I didn't know <laughs> <laughs> no it, it really didn't it was bag of holding then. what does that mean <laughs> right <laughs> Holding. But it's one of those things where it's cool to see something through someone else's eyes. Uh, yeah. And in this case, like it's clear that what makes Dungeons and Dragons fun is like the community and also getting to goof off during your big world-ending apocalyptic story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like half of the like RPG jokes I see are someone going off to like beat Sauron, but stopping to like run a bar or hit on a bartender or something. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you bring that up because I that's that's. D&D is so rigid. Like, it's this, it's this setting, right? Like, you're suppo- it's supposed to give you rules. D&D is just a set of rules for how you're supposed to act within this sort of tabletop gaming performance experience. But the, the fun of it comes from pushing at the edges of it and, you, and, like, using it as a starting point and going beyond it. And you see that with a lot of the big D&D renaissance that happened, especially in indie comics in the last couple of years, Ooh. is people mm-hmm. that, like, start with the rules, but then, you know go so far beyond them, uh, especially because, you know, D&D is literally just taking a bunch of Tolkien ideas and giving them stats. It's, it's <laughs> Tolkien for stat nerds and then trademarking the hell out of it. So no, anyone who came afterwards had to pay them money. Oh. Tolkien had a lot of problems <laughs> in his work. Like there is like some real racism in Tolkien's work that like oh. mostly got glossed over in the movies, which mm. is good. 
And I will say, I read, I wanted to read volume one and two just to see, uh, sorry, I've, I've read this series up to volume seven, I think. And I wanted to read volume one and two just to see if the second volume was specifically different. And yeah, right in the second volume, it starts to get a little bit more real, like in that it gets a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the introduction of the, of the orcs, which is like a non-friendly, we're all getting along and adventuring the island uh, race of characters. And orcs, again, hugely problematic when they come from Tolkien really portrayed in a very different way in here that I think works uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Also, the orc man on the back of this volume is hot and could get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I see, I see. Yeah, they start, I think, I think in the second volume they start building a little bit. But that was actually my main question. Chip, did you care about any of the characters? Did, were you like, I'm invested in them? Or was it just too light on the kind of character moments that are because that are a hallmark of, of your work, frankly? I, I don't think I'm at the point with one volume where I care about the characters. Mm. Like, they're, they're there to entertain me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, there's nothing... Yeah, I don't. I, 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 I don't think I do. Anyway, it's like I might. I might be surprised if I started volume two and I'm like, oh, these characters. I need to see what happens now to them. <laughs> hmm. Like I'm, in, I'm interested enough that, uh, unlike Akira, Akira, I actively want to read volumes two mm-hmm. through six. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. this one, I think it'd be more of if I was in a bookstore and I saw it, I'd flip through it and go, okay, yeah, I'm gonna pick up volume two. Yeah, that makes right? sense. Or if I'm in a specific mood to do that. The the only real downside to uh, Volume 1 for me, I, I think the art falls down a lot mm. in places. Mm. And 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 I, I do find that hard to get by. Maybe because the bar is set so high with Akira <laughs> 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 with our last episode. That I, that all I'm all I'm seeing in this are kind of shortcuts mm. and sometimes some weakness in, in uh, perspective shots of people and, and line weights and stuff. Like it feels very much a young artist who maybe didn't have a lot of training, mm-hmm. but has a lot of heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the, the cartooning didn't speak to me as much as the humor did. Like the cartooning seemed like just a, a way to get to the, the jokes and the really nice food shots. So there are some really lovely panels in it. Yeah. But 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 yeah, the inking, the line weight, like r- really falls apart for me because it, it's it's so sp- sporadic, in mm-hmm. in the quality. Kind of building on that like structural kind of thing. This is the first one we've done that has Japanese sound effects for you, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Was that uh, was that's, that at all? That's jarring? how Yen Press does things. And I, I yeah. read them all perfectly. Because <laughs> Yen Press has a thing where they'll put the they'll they'll keep the original Japanese, but they'll put the what it says in tiny English text. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It took me a little bit to understand what was going on, mm-hmm. what, what what that was. But then I realized, oh, okay, that's 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 letting me know what the sound effect means. Mm-hmm. And they were funny. Like the sound effects were kind of used for uh, comedy, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. But you can see how they're really integrated into the art. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, some of them you could take out with no problem, but some of them are very, very emotive, emotive aggressive kinds of lettering. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The, um, the English over top of it was awkward mm-hmm. in, in a lot of spots. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to really let this uh, letter understand what tangents are. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of spots where it's just like, 
going perfectly into a head or something. Like it's following the lines of characters and background. Stuff like that always jars me, but mm. uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I love the Japanese lettering. the The other thing for me, this is like the this is one of the first times where uh, I, I've I've read the uh, the right to left. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that too. Oh, oh that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. yeah I've, I've I've had I've had to do it a couple of times in the past, but um, but yeah, it's it's it takes a while for my head to kind of get around that. You know yeah. what I realized is whenever I see a black and white American comic, I try to read it manga style first. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> I, I, I was I was wondering that. Like I oh. I could see how you could just be like by the end I was like so into it, it wasn't a problem. Mm. Yeah. But I could see how you could get used to it. I'm sorry, I just I just find it weird scanning right to left, but then I have to travel all the way across the words and start because <laughs> that's cause that's still left to right so yeah. your your brain's kind of like constantly doing this back and forth loop well which, you've introduced uh, your you've inter- encountered your first north american manga trope which is all translation is compromise uh <laughs> none of it is perfect ever if you want the perfect version learn japanese mm. and even then i probably won't learn it well <laughs> enough for it to be perfect <laughs> not for a couple years yeah 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 the structural side like the word balloon shapes the way like so much so few balloons have tails that are pointing at people yeah, it's so different from American comics for me. Yeah, oh, yeah, that I, like, I love. I actually prefer that. And when I was lettering comics, I would try to get away with as short a tail as they would <laughs> let me do, or even inverted. And uh, on two projects, they made me go back and change all of them to look more American. And it was yeah. just like a horror show because it had like it looked right to me, but uh, you know, got to do what well, the also, editor says. I mean, the, the, this this comic <laughs> in particular is very cramped. Mm. And so you don't really need tails because no. <laughs> they're kind of squished into things. Yeah. I will say that I, yeah. I started, I flipped through volume six, which is the other volume that I have. And her mm-hmm. art has, has, has smoothed out a lot. Oh yeah. Mm. I, her art is much better than it was in earlier volumes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say there's a noticeable change. Like, like David was saying in the intro, the first the first volume actually did really, really well. It sold like 300,000 copies when it was released. Uh, when you get that kind of money and that kind of attention, you can hire a few more assistants. Uh, and also, you know, <laughs> just like by the time she gets to volume six, she's drawn more than a thousand pages of this manga, right? Like yeah. these are 230 yeah. page uh, plus volumes. Mm-hmm. She's just, she's a much, much better artist in volume six, but it's building on, she doesn't lose any of her strengths. Her character designs, God, I love her character designs so much. And as she introduces yeah. more characters, they still remain really unique and interesting. She's introducing a lot of different uh, body, like body mm. styles and things like that. It's not just like right. skinny American, you know, whatever characters, I, <laughs> I, which I really like. Everyone's really cute. But uh, other than that, yeah. uh, even the like creepy monsters that have human faces are adorable. Um, <laughs> but true. yeah. I really like, like the dead healer that was swallowed by the plant was really yeah. funny looking. Yeah, it was so, <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. But yeah, no, her art, I think uh, it's the kind of thing where I think if you stuck with it, you would actually be really, really impressed by some of the things that they do later on with the artwork, especially yeah. with the 
when they're actually having that, um, I guess this is just for this is just for David. That when they're having the chase with the red dragon and they're going through all of the different twists and turns of the catacomb at like the different levels in this castle, uh, mm-hmm. I I was never lost. I thought that was really really well done. The perspective was all on point, but I also kind of felt like yeah, the assistants <laughs> the assistants blue lined all that out for her, uh, and that's that's it. That's the way it worked. If you're yeah. this is a monthly series, uh, which is, is like twenty eight pages a month in Harta uh, magazine. Mm. which is like honestly Katakawa's best magazine it's so good it's so pretty um, mm. and yeah I think uh, I think that's the way it goes like oh you've proven yourself a hit great here you go here's all the resources you could want but what before that happens you're kind of you know you're, you're out on your own a little bit so mm-hmm. I think your art yeah. worries for people who are like really into the like who look at the first issue cover first volume cover issue <laughs> uh, cover and go oh i like this image and then are kind of let down by the interiors it definitely gets to that point probably around volume three all of a sudden it's like mm. she's got some experienced help and she i think is getting stronger as an artist for yeah. sure yeah for sure. yeah like it like i think a lot of it is in the computer side of things mm. like oh. i guarantee this is drawn on computer because mm. There are the there are some scenes where it looks like she's zoomed in to draw it, and some scenes where it looks like she's pulled back out to draw it, and so like oh. tiny details that are getting weirdly lost, and then big things that are kind of clunky. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's the kind of thing like some artists get past it, some artists don't get past it, and it, it's it's nice to know that that she does get past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be interested to see the later volumes to see uh, uh, the art change. Well, if you ever can ever go in a store again, you should pick up a copy and flip through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Deb, how does this rate about against other foodie mangas for you? Um, mm, as far as being able to cook from it, or just in terms of being entertaining. Being entertaining for me, a, a food manga makes you if that it makes you hungry is mm-hmm. successful. This one doesn't quite do that, but it's. Mm. Um, it's 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 fun because you can see a lot of cooking principles in it. Um, mm-hmm. Like like when I read, uh, say even even uh, Drifting Dragons, for example, which is a little similar but different, where there's a main character who is just hell bent on eating any critter he can get his hands on. The but the food is it's more it's more grounded in actual cooking. Like I could take any of those dragon recipes change it into beef <laughs> and I could make those <laughs> recipes with these. I can't like, you know, mm-hmm. like the, like the mushroom, like the, like the scorpion and mushroom hot pot. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, this is my naive, uh, <laughs> no, man, that's why non- we're here. Non manga, uh, question, but so, so food manga, is it, is it generally towards the idea that people are cooking from like, is it half recipe book, half story? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them are. Is it a recipe book kind of disguised as story? It, I would say like yeah. 80, 20 story recipe book. Mm. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a driver because like, you know, it's kind of cruel, right? Because they, the, the, the way the, the cooking is done, the ingredients, the, the preparation style is a driver of the story. And it leads up to this climax, which is the finished dish that you look at and go, ooh, looks good. So it all seems kind of mean to not tell you how to make it, right? <laughs> you're you're <Yeah>. curious. <laughs> so that's what the the premise is that is like, oh, you know, it's helps you to make it. But I, there's also food manga that has nothing to do with making it later. Like, for example, Drops of God, which is a wine manga. 
is mm. about appreciating wine. And it, yeah. it does spotlight real wines that you can purchase, but it's not about mm. cooking. Or, or for a more contemporary one, there's um, uh, Shogeki no Soma, uh, which mm. is called Food Wars uh, in North America. Mm. And that's all like real cooking techniques that you would use, but at like a high level. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like showing you like, you know, how to make top-notch cuisine, but it doesn't actually prepare the recipe. It talks, it, it walks you through the steps you would need to make it without giving you like amounts and ingredients and, mm -hmm. or like, like etc. But then the other food manga will be like very much just recipe manga where the characters will be like, oh, so now I'm going to take 15 milliliters of mirin cooking and I'm going to put that and, you know, like walk you through what did you eat yesterday is a good example mm -hmm. of that, where each chapter has like a full recipe that you can follow and it's the recipe is explained using manga panels okay. and i think there's food manga is a pretty wide pretty wide genre and that's just food yeah. manga that's about cooking some of it's about eating i know one of deb's favorites is wakozake which is just about a lady who goes to a bar and gets wasted uh <laughs> and eats bar food and gets drunk on, and so every every episode is like a different delicious drink and a different delicious food and it's so good <laughs> So sometimes, good. Yeah, sometimes the food manga is just teaching you how to appreciate what goes into making these, these dishes. Mm, that's know, a good way to look at it. You know, like, like Silver Spoon, for example, is about a kid at a, a farm school and they get into how they make cheese and then they make pizza and how they make bacon. You know, and then they don't, she never walks you through and you know, like an end page, like here's, here's a recipe on how you can kill your own pig and make bacon. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of built into the story. But it's just, mm. it, makes, it teaches you something, you know? I was going to say, is there any, is there like a North American equivalent? Like, it's, it's, it's interesting because like comics are often talked about as like a way to get kids to learn how to read. Mm -hmm. And the idea that, uh, and, cause, and also like in, in wartime, you know, dropping comics down onto like battlefields or whatever. <laughs> like, even if you don't understand the language, you can like learn a thing from it. Mm -hmm. um, like to surrender, I guess. But uh, is there any North American comics that are like designed to basically teach you something while telling the story? Like I always equate mm. that with like kid stuff. Mm. Like, yeah. like we're teaching you a lesson mm. or we're teaching you how to tie your shoes in this kid's book. So the fact that there's like this higher level adult stuff because some adults don't know how to cook or some adults <laughs> are looking for new recipes. Yeah. Like, that's amazing to me. And like, I can't think of any, anywhere else where that comes yeah, into play. I think the approach yeah. is different in North America. Like Lucy and Isley does cooking comics, but they're mm. like mm -hmm. comics about cooking instead of being an adventure comic where cooking happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that distinction, I think it's because like you could make a manga about anything and have a reasonable chance of success because <laughs> yeah. of how the industry set up and it's less, less so here. Yeah. There's a willingness um, to be ridiculous in manga that I don't that yeah. that I think holds a lot of American comics back. Like I could I could probably turn Daredevil into a cooking comic. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. He's, he's all about he's all about his senses. Oh yeah, he's I thought about kitchen. Mm -hmm. So this is an example of a comic that's come out, um, I want to say fairly recently, but, you know, like four years ago, three or four years ago now. But this was kind of revelatory when it was released. It's Cook Korean by Robin Ha, and it's published by, I think it's a Simon & Schuster imprint. It was about Robin teaching uh, you in recipe form 
Korean recipes, mm -hmm. in comics form, sorry, Korean recipes, working with her mom, exploring her Korean heritage. So it had graphic novel elements to it. It had recipe elements to it. It was like an illustrated cookbook. Um, it would have different kinds of short comic stories introducing things. So I think... I think it's changing for sure. Mm -hmm. I think Japan and even Europe to a certain extent were mm -hmm. ahead of the curve on comics that don't just have to be, you know, serials like like stories that don't that don't also sort of impart knowledge or like even nonfiction comics in North America, like what we think of as nonfiction comics in North America are almost exclusively autobio or mm -hmm. memoir um, mm -hmm. or or biography. You know what I mean? Whereas I think the the it's a lot wider outside of North America. Um, I've got a, I've got a, a Paris travel book, like a travel guide to Paris. That's by French cartoonists, not Rupert and Malo, the other famous team, but I've got a pair, I've got a Parisian travel guide that's by French cartoonists that they were hired. Penelope Bejeu is another oh. uh, French cartoonist uh, who did a, like a travel guide that was published by Lonely Planet and it's oh. comics. It's like a comics travel guide to a place as comics. Those are huge in Japan too. Uh, there's tons and tons of them. So this mm -hmm. is like, you know, it's it's interesting that we're starting here because I could give you like Oishinbo or something, which yeah. is really just like about the food and about the cuisine. Mm -hmm. But I think David picked a really interesting title actually for you in that it has all of those elements of what we think of as cooking comics, but is also an adventure serial. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really that's really key. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I am pretty smart sometimes. So smart. Uh, <laughs> I remember when I first saw this book, I, I thought to myself, this, this is a natural for people who don't normally read manga because it's so, it's so approachable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like it's no and Dragons, but they eat superhero the fucking continuity. monsters. <laughs> it's so approachable and yet so different from what you can get in America, right? So it's kind mm -hmm. of fresh that way. Yeah. Yeah. Chris mentioned Food Wars earlier, another cooking manga, and how it's all very, like, high class. Like, when you cut open an omelet, like, the glistening egg makes the moon, like, sparkle in your eyes kind of a thing. <laughs> but in the collections, they include, like, the poor people's version of that recipe. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you want to make it at home, you can use your, like, trashy Safeway ingredients to get a yeah, similar yeah. effect. <laughs> No, have you ever tried making any of the recipes? Because I, I don't think I have. It's still like a little bit above my class. <laughs> like when people talk about knife techniques, I'm like, I'm already out. Like, <laughs> what do you do besides cutting, you know? Yeah. Like, what yeah. did you eat yesterday? Like, for, for example, I think the original translator was not so food savvy, not so cooking savvy. Yeah. So it was hard to, um, like, you couldn't, you couldn't cook with it. But I think in latter in latter volumes they changed translator and the translator is much more food savvy and much more Japanese food savvy. So I I could mm -hmm. I sorry could the translator in the later volumes is Jocelyn by the way who you That's know it. Jocelyn yes. Allen. I remember she was very proud of taking that on because <laughs> you know, like I because originally when I first picked up what did you eat yesterday I like that's not a blank kind of pepper that's a blank kind of pepper and it's very different and if you didn't know that and you tried to cook with it it's not gonna <laughs> <laughs> but localization is hard yeah it's it, unless hard. Yeah. If, unless you know it you know it's there's yeah that's that's a that's a degree of difficulty with japanese translating japanese manga right for example like haiku if you mm -hmm. if you don't know volleyball terminology and how people talk about volleyball you're gonna have a hard time translating it so we are at about 50 ish minutes of I, uh talking about delicious I, and dungeon i think I we so figured out say. <laughs> how charming and interesting and great I am for recommending <laughs> yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. We're going to take a short break 
for sponsorship, a little bit of music, and then we'll get back with recommendations. So welcome back. This next part is where we choose the next book we're going to inflict on Chip. Or I guess where Chip chooses the next book we're going to inflict yeah, on him. Yeah, yeah, come on, yeah. <laughs> Chris, kick us off. What do you have to recommend for our friend Chip? David, you have so thoroughly inspired me. I started this project thinking, <laughs> I'm only going to recommend like standalone graphic novels, like something that's closer in format to things that Chip is already comfortable with, let's say. More comfortable with. <laughs> Uh, and you I make me of... sound like I'm a newborn babe in the woods and you don't want to frighten me. Uh, more like a, a little bit. I'm, a, I'm a grown man who's <laughs> a like versed no, in comics. Like, sure, you said that you would you would go along with this, but also yeah. if too many uh <laughs> too many complicated things in a row, and I would it, maybe you would be like, This was an interesting six episodes of a podcast. I'm out. <laughs> so I I wanted to pick something that would be like you could find a beginning and end but i think yeah this was such a good recommendation delicious in dungeon because it is such a good gateway for people mm. who have you know specific interests that aren't necessarily manga to read manga and it's the the tropes weren't too heavy like you weren't too put off by them which is good <laughs> just good because <laughs> it gets heavier later so i wanted to recommend my other favorite delicious in dungeon is actually Top two, my favorite ongoing series right now. And I was wow. also, that's another reason I was really happy that uh, David picked it. I, I love it because I, I call them meatloaf manga. Like you just like want a comfort food Aww. fucking manga, which is just <laughs> lovely. And even when it tenses up a little bit later, it's like a good tense up. It's like, oh, I got to the pepper and the meatloaf, not, you know, oh, I can't <laughs> deal with the fucking crushing despair of the world. So that's good. So I want to take my other manga that I really love, which balances those things uh, is but is way more intense is golden kamui uh, which is really shiny actually i'm getting the, your whole screen on there golden kamui by satoru noda uh, published by viz media and uh we should mention translators too david that was a good it was a good note that you made the translator i cannot find their name but as i <laughs> wait here we go translated by ag asuda um and published by viz media and so golden kamui has an amazing tagline. Like this is a series that could 100% be like an image book or a boom book, like where it's, you know, you're, you're, you're selling it based solely on like this one sentence. And then if the, if the comic actually follows up on it, you're good. The sentence is, this guy has got to earn enough money back to buy back a, a, his, like a farm um, because he made a battlefield promise that he would take care of his best buddy's wife and buy back her farm and so she could live at a comfortable life and she wouldn't have to like sell herself because it's the 1800s, it's the Russian-Japanese war, real war story. And he finds the best way to do this and earn this money is by finding a treasure map from money that was misallocated during the war to find this huge treasure of gold. And the map is tattooed onto the back of a hundred escaped convicts that he has to track down across all of Hokkaido and mainland Japan and fucking get these pieces of the map. <laughs> it's That's so good. good. It's so good. And it's about cooking wow. too. <laughs> uh, I love. So 
The other thing that I like about it, too, is that it takes place, it's in the, like, I think, yeah, mid to late 1800s in Hokkaido, just after it's been annexed and, like, settled, air quotes, settled by, by mainland Japan. And they did some, they have a similar history to Canada in some ways, where they did some not great stuff with the native peoples, uh, the Ainu of, of Hokkaido. So the Ainu are still very much like a living, you know, breathing society, not just, you know, now how we how they are treated as like an extinct society which is also not true Mm -hmm. so it's this 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 soldier who was like a brutal soldier on the on the on the war dealing with the ainu people as well as the first escaped convict as like a triumvirate of people who are after this gold but for like these deeply altruistic reasons and they're only hunting down convicts so it kind of works out okay like they become really good (laughs) anti-heroes but you learn so much about survival, survivalism, about Ainu culture. Uh, there's so much Ainu culture in this to the point where I made a point to go to the Ainu Museum in Hokkaido last time I was in, or two times ago when I was in Japan, because I wanted to learn more, you know, and see these artifacts that I'd seen lovingly detailed, just like the food is lovingly detailed in real <laughs> life. So for me, Golden Kamui is like probably the best action comic coming out right now and to be fair i haven't read every single action comic coming out right now but the action is so good it is deeply funny as well it is so really really funny and it is it fucking earns its mature rating on the back and not in the ways (laughs) that most contemporary manga sadly uh earn them it earns it by being like really realistic and fucking brutal so i love this book and i hope even if we don't get to choose it next time i hope we get to choose it in the future uh the only problem is it's it's ongoing it's it's, yeah, it's at twenty volumes. It's twenty <laughs> volumes. <laughs> yeah, it's at twenty. I think in Japan. I think it's even pretty close to that in North America. Is it spoilers for me to ask how many convicts have been taken care of by volume twenty? <laughs> That's not really important. I lost count. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's it's not it's not how many dead convicts you have. It's the journey. Oh, it's, yeah. The yeah, journey. it's the journey. It's the quality of the dead convicts. It's quite a recommendation. You gather along the way. Sorry, I love this series. I've like recommended it on stream and stuff before, so okay. I was so why, I was ready for this one. <laughs> why do you say it's quite a recommendation? It was Dude. just very thorough and compelling, <laughs> and the twists oh, are yeah. just absolutely batshit. Like yeah. I've never seen an action comic that has twists like this. Where you're like, yeah. what? Oh my so, god, what? How did that happen? Uh, that's a that's a great recommendation, uh, uh, Chris. I'll take it under consideration. Yeah, thank you uh, very much, Deb. What is your recommendation? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the two and see what 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 resonates. One is one that I think a lot of people are are known you know, as Way of the House Husband. Uh, won an Eisner <laughs> Award for comedy, and it's a it's basically about a a Yakuza, a retired Yakuza. He's like a legendary, like the immortal dragon, like this brutal mobster. But somehow he finds himself in this situation where he is now a house husband. And he, he, he still talks like a gangster. He still acts like a gangster. But he's kind of like <laughs> dealing with the, cha- the new challenge, the new, the new thing to be good at, which is how to make bento box lunches, how to vacuum the floor. How to you know how to outsmart his cat? So it, I, it's really funny. I believe this is Vin Diesel and the pacifier. <laughs> this is, Actually, so this is a it's um this was was really fun to it's a fun read like you'll laugh out loud. Um, it's mm. going to be adapted by Netflix as an anime. I think it's coming out next month. So 
so it's going to get mm. even hotter. Oh, wow. Um, I was right. really happy to see more, a lot of people pick up on this. And, and now is that an ongoing series? It's only up to, I think, volume five. Okay, it's only up to volume five. <laughs> yeah, only a thousand. And pages. it's and it's it's yeah. episodic, like you know, as as things go on and more more gangsters come in and more more mm-hmm. ridiculous things happen, but it's it you can read just one volume and not feel like you're missing out on a lot of story. It's it sounds pretty. It's good. It's really fun. Yeah. The other one. Save 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 your next one. Don't oh, okay. Don't give them all. Don't give them all away. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think I'll save it's it. unfair to Chris too. I'll save it for next time. <laughs> no. No. I don't mind actually if uh, if Chris you is like you. I talked so long about that first one. Uh, <laughs> I just got to catch up. So. Oh, I'll just bring it up because we were just talking about it during the break, and I'll just show it to you. All right. Yeah. But it's called What the Font. It, it's basically <laughs> a manga where all the different fonts are people. So the main character is Helvetica, and then he meets Bodoni, who is very artsy and avant-garde, and then there's Gotham. And then it, it goes into the history of the fonts, and they all have different personalities, and how they're similar but different, and they chose how... Is, is, is Comic Sans in there? Huh? N- Comic Sans? Yes! Comic <laughs> Sans right, is in there. Comic Sans is a real right. nerd. Nice. <laughs> I, all right, all right. I, I would have picked them uglier, but go on. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's, it, it does go into the history of the fonts and where the, now, where the that, fonts are. That feels like it's not an ongoing. Am I correct? It's one volume only. Okay. I mean, they're always making new fonts, so. <laughs> but it's a good, <laughs> true. It's a good overview of fonts. So if you if you ever went yeah. to art school or design school, you'll you'll recognize a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know how to live up to those recommendations of mine now. <laughs> uh, but mine is it's a manga called Again with two exclamation points by Mitsuru Kubo. And essentially, there's this genre in Japanese manga where people fall down and die and wake up in another universe <laughs> as a different person. Or sometimes they time travel to the past and like, it's like, oh, I have to be myself again, only now I have like my adult human brain. Uh, this is one of those <laughs> where a guy graduates from high school or is graduating, falls down and wakes up as a freshman again. And he's like, oh, this is my chance to have friends. Yeah. And yeah. so he kind of manipulates people into being his friends but through doing that be, like learns the meaning of friendship but by do, the way he does this is by joining essentially a cheer squad like the people who go to sports games or events and like kind of hypes up the crowd mm-hmm. and it goes places you would not expect from you know like a dumb time travel story mm-hmm. and it's actually 12 volumes deep right now so got <laughs> right now of- no, so no, it, it, end, it ends it ends at 12 <laughs> It ends at 12? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but it's one of those ones, like, really heartfelt, really emotional, and also really funny. Like, it plays with its, like, time travel gimmick quite a bit. Uh, but it's another kind of manga trope that I'm excited to introduce you to. Damn. So, I mean, I want to read all of these. Like, I don't know if we've actually quite figured out uh, how we're doing this. No, yeah. one one wins, the rest die. Uh, <laughs> no, I, sorry, we can, it's, we're making it up as we go along. We can, yeah. we can go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I... you just got to choose one. You just got to choose one. We're, we're hoping, I'm hoping that you will come to see things that you like in manga and that'll help you choose what the next book is. But it's still pretty early days. This is only second episode. So. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like. What the font sounds the most interesting. Mm. And I feel like uh, 
uh, that's something like I just couldn't get in a North American comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like at all. It's just a, such a wild idea. Like, like the, the other books are like, okay, I, I could, I could almost picture them as like maybe an image series. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that, that one is so out of left field that, uh, I, 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 I think that might be my number one pick right nice. now. All right. We're doing what the font who published that one, Deb? Uh, seven C's. Seven C's. I don't, I think I know people at seven C's. Maybe we can get copies. Let's ask. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I, but I, I want to do the other ones as well. So like maybe that's the first one, and then Work we randomize the, the the other three. How about mm. Golden Kamui after that? Because that would be so different. <laughs> yeah, we just recommended three books in a row that are all at least, well, and Deb's original first recommendation that are all so many volumes too. So <laughs> yeah, maybe a couple standalones is not a bad idea. Yeah. yeah, maybe we can come back. Well, yeah, let's figure it out. But for now, we're definitely doing what the font. So mm-hmm. next episode is Deb's pick, which is Mermaid Saga, um, mm-hmm. two volumes from Viz. Uh, I don't know if we're just doing volume one or both of them, but I'm going to read them both because why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. same here. Um, yeah. Next up is my pick, which was Helter Skelter by mm-hmm. Kyoko Okazaki, which I'm very excited about. That one's going to fuck your shit up. That'll be good. <laughs> and, that's a one uh, volume, so that's good. And then after, and that's only one volume. It's it's pretty short, but it'll it's good. And then after that, it's what the what the font. So. Uh, mm. So yeah, so next episode, let's get back into, you know, I, I, I think it'd be fun for me to try and recommend Golden Kamui to you every single week until you finally pick it. <laughs> until until we just win with me that. every single week. <laughs> we'll make it sound uh, better I, and better every week. You know, I know we're just solving uh, how to do our podcast while doing the podcast, but I, I, I do feel just like one of you should just recommend something every yeah. week. And we just <laughs> Instead of, because like, yeah, like oh, the ones like, that, like take away your choice. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, because the ones that David and Chris recommended are great, and I want to read those as well. Like, be- just because I said yes to one doesn't mean we just toss the other ones out <laughs> and then like recommend new ones next time. Oh, let's let's put it in the pod because maybe because um, what the font is a one is a one volume, and I don't feel like mm-hmm. we would talk about it the whole time, perhaps. I well, we, we probably can. will. We probably will. Yeah. No, we will. <laughs> we're real. We're going real. I have a hunch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you, listeners, for following us on this journey as we figure out our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to us review Delicious in Dungeon by Ryoko Kui, translated by Taylor Engel, lettered by Abigail Blackman, and published by Yen Press. Oh, one more, uh, one more plug. She also yeah. has a, a book of short stories. Oh, is that Seven Little Sons of the Dragon? Mm-hmm. So seven short stories by the same author of Delicious in Dungeon. So, so if you're not in for the big commitment, yeah, there you go. That's a good one. Definitely check that out. Does anyone have any other shout-outs? And then we can wrap it up and get out of here. Oh, yeah. We were, we were supposed to shout stuff out. I got nothing. <laughs> I've, Chip, how I've about you? I've been burying my head all week. <laughs> I've also got nothing. <laughs> what are we shouting Deb, out Do you have on? anything? Like, the stuff that we like or we're currently reading? Anything. I'll take anything at this point. Ah, okay. I've been recommending Sweat and Soap to everybody. I really All like right. this. It's a really lovely adult romantic comedy about a guy who has a great sense of smell and a girl who sweats a lot and is self-conscious about it. <laughs> and somehow they find each other. It's, it's, it sounds super skeevy, but it's super sweet. I love it. <laughs> it's from Kodansha by um, Kintetsu Yamada. I didn't awesome recommend reference. it to you because I didn't think you would be into mushy stuff. <laughs> 
Oh, but Chip loves sweat, so it would. Oh, out. that's <laughs> true. That's <right>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You threw away. You threw away your suggestion. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I will shout out actually the anime I mentioned Deb really liked uh, that she introduced me to is Wakazake. Mm. Uh, Wakazake, uh, I believe, unless I'm missing. Wakakozake. Wakako. Zake is like sake. So Wakako and her sake. It's a it's a twelve episode anime series where each episode's only two minutes uh, or so, give or take. And it's super cute. It's about a lady who goes to the bar after work, tries a beverage, has a bite to eat. One of the things I miss most about lockdown right now is traveling. And yeah, I would give anything to be in that anime for a couple, for just a day, just to try <laughs> delicious, you know, bar foods and have a beer too. So I'll relive it through my anime. So Wakako Zake, thank you. Uh, on Crunchyroll, uh, and you could watch it for free if you're not in Canada. I'm not sure if is the anime nice. is the manga out in English yet. Okay. Uh, there's a digital digital uh, only on that one. Mm. Cool. Thank you all for listening. This has been Manga Splaining episode number two, Delicious in Dungeon by Ryoko Kui, published by Yen Press. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Mermaid Saga by Rumiko Takahashi, published by Viz Media. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.